You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. A podcasting agency that helps B2B brands start podcasts to connect with prospects, grow brand awareness, and create better content. Now, every successful business needs a strong value proposition. That's very well known. And yet, I think it's all too common for brands to have just like an okay value proposition or even a pretty weak one, which to me raises some pretty important questions like, what exactly is a value proposition? What distinguishes a weak value proposition from a strong one? And why does this matter in the long run? Now, to explore these questions, my guest today is Catherine Joachim. Catherine is founder and executive director at Creme Brands, a luxury branding agency that helps businesses elevate how they show up online and offline. Catherine, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jeremy. So I know that you help your clients with all kinds of stuff, including developing a really strong value proposition. So are are you surprised when you're working with a client and they don't really have a value proposition or, or they're not even clear on what it should be? I think it is surprising because you look at the product or service they're selling and there's a lot of really great aspects to it that help set it apart in the market already. And so sometimes it's surprising, oh, you have a great thing you're selling. Why aren't you able to sell it, first of all, to yourself as founder or as marketing mm. director? But it really does start there because if you're not excited about it, why should anyone else be? So even if there are mm. some intrinsic components of the scope of deliverables you give as a service provider or facets of a product that make it really unique and special, unless you're clear on that foundational element, it's going to give you a really weak foundation to build on for all your other marketing and PR efforts. So you want to get a lot of clarity on that. Yeah. Do you find that in those cases, it's that they have a value proposition, but they're just not good at articulating it? Or is it that they actually don't have one? Or is it maybe both? I think it's both. They might have a vague inkling of it, but they don't really feel confident on mm. Are they doing this right? A lot of times I think as business owners, it's easy to feel overwhelmed with all the different facets of that role. And so a lot of times marketing is not even their primary focus when it comes mm. to a founder or someone that's created a product or service. And so helping them step out of the role of working in their business to on it is a really important shift to give that yeah. the time and attention it deserves. Yeah. Okay. Right. That makes sense. And I guess if you haven't spent enough time working on your business, you might just not have put in the time that it takes to really fully understand what your value proposition is. Like you, you know what you're, what you do, like what your services are, but you just don't have that super clear understanding of here's why that matters. Like here's the elevator pitch of what that all boils down to and what the value is. And just like one clear sentence, right? Yeah. I think that's part of it. I also think it's human nature to look to see what other people are doing. So mm. while maybe when you started your business, you did have a strong sense of this is what we are creating and putting out into the world, and it's going to be different and unique. Sometimes what I see happen is as time goes on and as people get more familiar with their market and what they're selling, they also get really more familiar with the, their competitors 
And they start getting influenced by what other people are doing. And so they become Mm. less and less unique and less singularly focused on what makes them different. And they start to feel the pressure to keep up with maybe someone else's unique value proposition. But the reality is, is you try to be everything, you're not going to be Mm. anything. And so getting really clear and consistently focusing on that differentiation is huge. Otherwise, you're going to try to sell based on a lot of different facets that maybe aren't even your business's primary strength. Yeah, okay. That's a great point. I want to come back to that. Let, let's take a step back, though, for a second. And just basic table stakes, let's just define the term. A, a value proposition, or even better yet, a unique value proposition. What is that? What's in it for your customer? Why should they buy from you versus someone else? It's essentially what your business does well. So it's the value that you bring to the table with your product or service, plus what your competitors don't do. So it's exclusivity. There's some differentiation to that value. And not only is it exclusive and valuable, but there has to be demand for it. So it's what your clients or customers actually need. So it's well and good to stand out for something to be different and say, hey, none of our competitors have really angled in on this. This isn't a commonly done practice within an industry. And maybe even for that to be valuable, but if there's not demand, that's going to fall flat. So you really need to have all three of those things overlapping. And in the middle of value, exclusivity, and demand, that's your UVP. Yeah. Okay. And this needs to be something you can articulate easily, clearly, that anyone of reasonable intelligence can immediately understand. Yeah, definitely. Which is a lot harder than it might sound, right? Clearly. Like that that's why companies like yours exist. So when you when you start with a client and you determine like, okay, one thing we need to do right away is work on your unique value proposition. How do you take us through that process? How do you help How do you help them do that? Yeah. So I think there's three different categories to look at. And I would say starting broad, like Jeremy was saying, and then narrowing in is really important. If you just try to sit down and write this statement in one fell swoop, you're really going to fall short. It's going to be so intimidating as well, which I think is where a lot of people get stuck. So the first layer I would start with is your actual business. So looking at what is your business already known for. You can do this by gathering testimonials and searching for the common thread between all of those reviews. I encourage our clients to compile a list of as many reviews as they can find and then go back through and look for the repeated terms, the repeated concepts. And that's going to help you start identifying how your business is already perceived as what's in it for your customer because it's in their own words. So that's a great place to start. I also would take that a step further and actually ask for feedback from your collaborators. Now, this might be vendors that you regularly work with that are in a related role, but they're not a direct competitor. It could also be people that actually work within your team or your organization. But understanding their perspective on what makes your business different is a great baseline to start with. And then from there, I would actually move away from just your business to the industry as a whole. And this is where I think you can start uncovering some really valuable insights. So you've already got a very clear layer of how your business is perceived, but maybe you're not super clear yet at that point. What really makes this compelling, right? 
And so by looking at your industry as a whole, you can look at what is commonly expected with the industry as a whole and where are we over-delivering or delivering something different. So I would break this down into a quadrant of four different categories. You could include things that are specific to your product or service type of industry. It could be something like style, what's generally expected stylistically within our industry as a whole, and where are we over-delivering with style or really standing out with a unique style. You could look at something like process. What is the expected process or protocol within this industry, and where are we swimming in a different direction? So by really looking at the status quo of what people might commonly expect within different key categories, you can get some perspective too on not just your business, but the industry as a whole and where you really have an opportunity to stand out or maybe where you already are standing out. So Mm -hmm. after you've looked at your industry, I would zoom out a little bit more to look at your specific customer. Who is your customer and what do they actually want and need? Because like we were saying, it's well and good to say, hey, we're different for this reason. But if there's not demand for that difference, it's not going to connect or resonate with who you're actually trying to appeal to. So when you're looking at what your customer actually needs and wants, don't just think about it as what they're buying. You need to look at why they're buying Mm. it. So I would actually map this out in a sort of funnel. So maybe at the top on a basic level, they're buying your actual product or service. So Jeremy, they might be buying having a great podcast, having you know a really guided, expert-led experience into the podcasting world. But on a deeper level, they're not just buying the actual deliverables of your scope or a certain amount of time or a certain number of revisions, right? That's not going to actually make you stand out in the market of other options, but you can look on a deeper level all the way down to identity. So you can go from top level of basic what they're actually buying to why, and ultimately it really does come down to identity. Who is your customer once they buy from you? Now, one of our clients has done a really great job of this, Pink Sand Spirits Co., They are a Bahama-based spirits brand of ready-to-drink cocktails and a full line of different alcohols. And they've really honed in on who are you when you're holding that can of pink spirit, Mm. when you are of pink sand spirit, when you're holding that, are you someone that is feeling stressed or are you transported to this island style experience Mm. where You feel like you've gotten a vacation. You feel like the same way you feel when your toes are in the sand. And the reason they're called pink sand is because the pink sand beach in Harbor Island, Bahamas, that's the inspiration for it. That's the message. And so their tagline is actually crack open the good life. And so not Mm -hmm. only are you just cracking open a can of something cold and refreshing, you're actually opening up a whole other experience. And so who are you when you're holding that can? That's a very powerful question. And if you're a service provider, maybe you should ask, who is that customer once they go through my podcast service? Maybe they become a thought Mm -hmm. leader. Maybe they step into this next level of their highest self and achieving their dreams. But when you can really start brainstorming, who is my customer once they buy from us? 
you start to uncover a lot of gold. So brainstorming through all these different layers of your business to your industry to your customer is really going to give you a lot of initial ideas for your unique value proposition. I would definitely start in the brainstorm space where there's no wrong answers, where you have room to explore Mm. and don't just dive into trying to come up with your UVP on the spot. Right. You can't definitely can't do it in, in a vacuum, right? Or like right. in a huddle with your little internal team. Like, what do you know? You're not your own customer. So you can easily be led astray by how close you are to your own business, right? And it, but, but that doesn't get you anywhere, really, unless you're talking to people outside. The, the, as you said, your customers, the people you want to engage, they'll tell you, in a sense, they'll tell you what your unique value proposition is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, wow, okay, there's a lot to unpack there. You mentioned, yeah, identity. Like, who are you, as, as you put it? And maybe another way to put that is, you know, we're talking about emotions. How do you feel w- when you're holding that, you know, beverage? Or, like, to put it in a more of a B2B context, the you, you've bought a new, like, tech platform. You know, you've invested in that, and you've made that decision. You know, how does that... What's at stake for you? You know, how do you feel? Like what, I mean, emotions are going to play a role, whether it's, I think, B2C definitely, but B2B too. These are still people at the end of the day. Yeah. And I think you're honing in on what branding ultimately is, which is about creating the lasting feeling for a business. And so by exploring how do our target audience want to feel you can definitely identify actual needs and desires of that avatar. And then that's going to flow into everything. But you're right. They're not just buying a software platform. They're, they're wanting to buy a result, which is actually typically emotions are involved in a result or any sort of solution. Right. And I can think like, you know, if, if it's something like a SaaS platform, whatever, what what is the the result? I mean, there's probably a bunch of results, right? Like you want to pick a platform that's going to make all these processes easier, whatever the platform is supposed to do. But on a more individual level, I would think, well, you want to, it makes you feel smart. I made a good decision. I improved the company. I helped us get closer to our goals. I have, I'm, I'm a thought leader, right? I saw the unique value in this platform and it makes me look good. This is going to look good at the end of the year when I have my review, hopefully, if it all goes well, right? But I, I'm thinking like that. those are the emotions at play behind most people's decisions on just about anything in business. And really any purchase decision. I mean, this applies to yeah. so many industries. And we've worked with a lot of different industries over the last 10 years. Last year, for example, we worked with a realtor and mm. looking at how does someone want to feel before a buying process, in a buying process, and after, you might think, oh, this is about a home sale transaction, but it's not. That real estate agent and why someone would work with that realtor versus someone else really comes down to how that person makes them feel. And typically, they're buying Mm. into the idea of stress reduction, feeling at peace. So it's really good to look not just on the basic level what you're selling, but that practical, how you want to feel and then as well on the identity level of who this makes them. And yeah, you can really start weaving a lot of that into your messaging. Because the point of a unique value proposition is not just to say, oh, we checked a box, we wrote something. 
It's yeah. about getting clarity. So that way this can go into all your social media caption writing, your blog content creation, the ads that you're writing. They should really target these actual feeling desires your customers have. Yeah. And at the end of the day, as, as I think you made very clear a few minutes ago, it's not just, and I think this is kind of obvious, but maybe bears repeating, a unique value proposition is not just a description of what you do, right? It's, it's, it's what sets you apart from everybody else. That's the unique part of it, right? And I'm thinking, you, you tell me in your experience how this plays out, but I think that's what can be so difficult about it. And I'll speak from my own experience, you know, as a podcast producer, there are a lot of podcast producers out there and a lot of podcast producers in the B2B podcasting space, which is what we do. And it can be, it's not always super easy or obvious, like exactly what sets a particular brand apart, at least because from the point of view of a consumer or like a potential customer, you go to like five different websites that might, you know, in the same space. On the surface, they might all look like they do exactly the same thing you know, or like offered the same set of services. It's, and then it's really up to the brand to be like, well, yeah, kind of, but not actually we're different in all these different ways. Right. And that could be, I think that's challenging. That could just be hard for a brand to really understand and especially how to articulate that in a way that really lands, you know, with the prospect. Have you found that in your experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's hard to figure out what wording to use. And that's why it's great to listen to what wording your customers are already using and letting that be your starting point. Otherwise, you might project your own understanding of what you're selling as the expert versus the one Mm. who needs the service in your case, which is something that's human nature to do, right? For myself, I'm a brand designer and we have a boutique agency. And so I could definitely focus on selling what we do from the perspective of a bunch of nerdy details that I really care about. Oh, the right. letter spacing. Oh, the X height of this font. And it, you know, this is such a great design. I mean, you're probably like, what is she even talking about? And that doesn't <laughs> matter to me. I do not care. Because just like what right. we've been talking about, Jeremy, you care about how you want to feel as a business owner. You care about who you become after you work with us or who this helps you become, right? You don't care about the things I care about as an expert. So I think it's very important Mm. to differentiate who your business is as the guide, as the expert versus the customers who you're guiding. And, you know, I think a lot of times we go into business because we see a problem that we want to solve. And that's wonderful. It's very powerful. The problem is, is when you forget to look at the problem you're solving from the viewpoint of someone who has that problem. Right. That's so well put, which is why I think the the very best marketers have really high empathy skills. You're able to like transport yourself into the mind of other people, of your potential buyers and, and truly see things from their perspective. That's not easy to do. It's not. Yeah. Which is, which is why you're so right. You know, it's, and, and I see this is like the most basic advice, but it's so powerful. Talk to the cust- talk to your customers, 
you know, you've made this point a few times, but it's such a good point. Talk to your customers and record what they say and then say those things back to other people. You're not going to come up probably with a better way to say it than the very people who are buying your stuff and telling you in their own words why they did that. Yeah. And it cuts through the noise. It cuts through the pressure to be just like all your competitors because you're going to hone in on this is why our customers worked with us and this was what was so compelling about it. Right. And, and, And that uniqueness, that differentiation doesn't have to be some massive thing like some earth shattering thing that no one's ever heard about before chances are it's not going to be it can be subtle things it can be a tone it can be like a vibe or something like that right i mean the more unique you can be the better but that's i think talking to customers in that way is where you're going to get those that subtlety and then be able to to message it out in a way that's really going to work so what are some what are some things that you see brands doing with their value proposition that are like red, like red flags? Like, don't do that. Oh, don't do that. Like, yeah, like mistakes people make when they're trying to craft a good, you know, unique value proposition. Oh, gotcha. I think not shifting from a brainstorming space to tightening space. It's probably the Mm. first thing where you think, oh, I should just know what this is. I know my business like the back of my hand or I know the company I'm selling like the back of my hand. But yeah, doing the work to uncover the actual answers is important. I would also say just spending too much time on competitor research can dilute some of your own magic as a brand. So being careful not to just do basically repackaging what already has been said about someone else. I wouldn't go to chat GPT to write your unique value proposition because that's going to be maybe not even a bad sounding answer, but it's going to be pretty generic, right? It's going to be kind of a compilation of everything. So making sure you're actually using your own why and your own process, your own customers as the starting point is huge. Yeah, I well, for sure, at least in its current state, ChatGPT is not going to get it done. What the hell does ChatGPT know about you and your specific business? Not much, right? There's there's no way that it's going to really get get you where you need to go. But I hear you about not falling into that trap of getting like too into what your competitors are doing or feel like you have to catch up to them. I struggle with that personally. It's, you know, and going to like a competitor's website and just be like, Oh man, this is so good. Or like it's slick and they're saying this and that's different. And maybe we need to do that too. And it's just a rabbit hole endlessly. Like no matter how good your own stuff is, you're, the grass is always greener, right? I really struggle with that. And at the end of the day, I have to remind myself, like, stay the course. If you want to, unless you want to just be a commodity, don't try to do what everyone else is doing. Do your own thing. Learn what you can from your competitors and then recycle it through your own lens and all that stuff. But, but boy, it, that can be a trap, though. Oh, absolutely. And I think every single client we work with just about struggles with that. And a lot of times when they originally come to us, that's actually one of their motivating factors 
It was, mm. oh, I saw this leader within my industry doing this, so I know it's important. But the thing is, if we make them look just like someone that's already been successful, they're never going to be innovative, right? Because if you're always drafting off of what's been done before, how are you going to do something that is original or solve a problem in a more unique way that hasn't already been done? You're, You're not going to you know, be compelling to your customer ultimately, because they'll be like, well, why would I go with this not as established of a brand when obviously I could just work with this person way up here? It just, it it really dilutes what you're doing, but it's so human nature to do that. I also think part of it too is just the challenges that come with marketing and how the mediums are always changing. And so I think part of what we try to do to solve that challenge is see, well, how are other people leveraging this? What are other people doing? And some of it is we truly just want to learn. But I do think there's a difference between learning and comparison. And sometimes it can be subtle and suck you in and you don't even realize, oh, I'm thinking I need to create a video just the way this content creator does when they're not even selling something. They're just an influencer. That's their job all day. But we just start to think, oh, this is how I need to be successful because I see this is how someone else has been successful versus really finding what works for us and is authentic to our actual business and then ourselves as humans. Yeah. It's tough because like you say, it's just a natural human inclination to compare yourself to others or other brands or whatever. And also to, to a certain extent, you, you do need to keep tabs on your competition because you can learn from them. And, but it's such a fine line between learning from and borrowing and then repurposing and feeling like you have to copy them or, or finding yourself kind of copying them. But you're, but I think you're totally right. Ultimately that doesn't get you where you need to go. It just doesn't, you just, you, you come off as like, a latecomer or just a copier, you know, like without anything very original to add or to say, but it's tough though, because on the other hand, ultimately nothing you really do or say, there's nothing that's absolutely unique. I mean, it's all been said and done before in one way or the other. It's a matter of degree, I guess. Oh yeah, definitely. But I think, yeah, honing in on what actually resonates about your specific process and business model and your angle, maybe none of it is truly original, but it can be aligned. And I think alignment is actually the secret to success because if you're just trying to, like we were talking about, compare yourself, draft off of someone else's model, that's not actually going to be aligned necessarily to how your business operates. So that's mm-hmm. that's incredibly important that what you're selling and how you're how you're going about with messaging and marketing really is aligned to the actual value and substance and and that way when customers do buy in that's the experience they have because I think ultimately a really great brand is a promise that comes true. So mm-hmm. anytime yeah. you have a brand that makes all sorts of claims and looks really shiny, we've all seen it. You look at their website and you're like, wow, yeah. they have made it. Of course, you have right. no idea what's going on underneath the hood of their business. Right. They might not even be profitable yet. They might have just had lots of fundraising rounds and right. they actually haven't even figured out how to make a sustainable profit margin on whatever they're selling. You, you really ultimately don't know. 
But when you're just focused on the exterior and not looking at the interior, it gets really problematic in all in all aspects. So yeah, looking that's inside, such a good how point. Can you align? That's such a good point, right? You don't know what you don't know, so don't base don't base too many assumptions on just looking at a website or something. Like it tells you very little. And also, I think, tell me what you think about this, that something like a a value proposition, it's not like a one-time thing that you just spend an hour and like, okay, we nailed it, moving on. It's like, first of all, it can take a long time to really find the just the right thing. And then it's not static. It's probably going to change over time. So it's not, it's like something you're always working on. And I think maybe a useful analogy is, is like in the arts, you know, like if you're a songwriter and you're just starting out, everyone's going to have their influences and chances are starting out, you're going to sound a lot like, or a little bit like your favorite songwriters, because that's how you learn to do it. But then if you stick with it and you're good and you really work, eventually without forcing it, you'll, you'll, that'll morph into something more unique. It'll morph into you. And you know, it, it's not something you can really force. It has to happen naturally over time and repetition and being open and honest to really trying things and figure and really finding what really works for you. I think this, I think it's very similar for a brand, for any business, you know, it's, it's an evolution and that you'll get there if you stay true to the basic principles. What do you think? Yeah. I definitely think so. Yeah, finding your voice is really ultimately what we're talking about. Yeah. And so it's and it not, takes a while. It's not even just what you're saying. It's how you're saying it because that can really change the actual communication. And what you're describing is a great, great analogy of, you know, maybe some of those tenets of composition or music theory are always going to be there. And so as you're admiring a musician ahead of you. It's not that you totally change the fundamentals of music itself, but you find your own personal expression and style and art form and your own approach within that greater system of really quality standards almost, I guess you could say. But yeah, I think there's a lot of parallel with that in marketing for a business. But finding your voice and knowing that just because there's a lot of people that have said something in the past doesn't mean that you don't have something to say of value or the way you say it or your experiences. And I think that's why we're going to see more and more, especially with the prolification of AI and marketing just being in a season of great change, or it already has been. But I think that's why we're going to see all the more the importance of emotion in marketing and storytelling. And that's something AI might know a little bit about, but ultimately having all the right buzzwords and SEO terms and general knowledge of something isn't going to be enough to sell it. You really want to get in touch with your unique value proposition and how it will make your customers feel because that's where you can actually stand out. Yeah. Well, I couldn't couldn't have thought of a better sort of final thing to say for this episode. So we've covered a lot of ground, and I was actually going to ask, like, okay, well, let, let's sum it up. What should our listeners take away? But I think you just nailed it. What you just said was, like, perfect. Oh, well, good. <laughs> there you go. It just it just kind of came out. So, But I do have one final cast- question, and that is, Catherine, how can people connect with you? 
So you can find us at Crim Brands. I'm in the DMs there. Shoot me a note. I would love to hear from you and hop on a call because I think having a genuine conversation, like we were just saying, is so powerful. And I love those conversations with other entrepreneurs and business owners. Yeah, it's the best. And now I, b- I believe we connected on LinkedIn initially. We did. So of course, you're on LinkedIn. We'll put a link to your page in the show notes and to Creme Brands. So listeners, definitely check that out. Connect with Catherine. As you can see by either watching or listening to this episode, Catherine is great to have a conversation with. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.